everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host, and today I have with me my loving and awesome significant other and business partner, Deborah Micus. Hello. And today we are interviewing Sujit Sharma, uh, the CEO and co-owner of Choose. How are you doing today, Sujit? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. And so the audience knows they can find uh, Choose at www.choose.com and on Instagram at Love Choose. Uh, so please look them up as we do this podcast so you, you can see the products and see the items we're talking about. So Suja, tell us a little bit about Choose and, and how it was started and, and the story of how you got involved. Uh, yeah, sure. I appreciate it. Yeah. Choose um, was created uh, by my friend, Liddell Hill, who's um, somebody I really got to be friends with when I just turned 40, and uh, that was about 11 years ago. And so he really was sort of inspiring to me because I, I, he created this product, but he also had, he was, he's a holistic trainer. He's sort of a, uh, kind of a, in some ways, like an herb, he's an herbalist trained by, you know, who's not really, who's had official training, but he has just, through his life experience in health, you know, doing health coaching and uh, learning from his grandfather, um, he sort of was inspired to kind of create something different, which just made sense to him, which was choose. It was the, put together 35 fruits, vegetables, herbs, nuts, and seeds, and he really did it for himself. Initially, he wanted to make something that was tasty and had kind of complete nutrition that he came to understand the body needed every day and he turned it into a small business because his clients started becoming interested in what he drank, what he was take, carrying around with him that looked pretty weird. And then, um, as they got interested, he realized, you know, this it kind of grew from there. Um, and it is, it is, a, we call it now, it's like a juicy super salad. It's it took, it's like one, one third of the ingredients are juiced and two thirds of the ingredients are chopped. And um, so it really leads in what a lot of juices take out, which is fiber, by just taking the liquid from the plants. And um, so there, you know, and that's the, I think, number one ingredient missing in the American diet. So it was really novel because it tasted great, and it was kind of portable, complete nutrition that happened to be really tasty. And so um, I got involved about a year or two after he first started kind of turning it into this little business. Um, I, I have another career, a job. I'm a, I'm a pediatric ER doctor. Um, I do that full time here in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, I just was kind of blown away uh, over time with what Liddell created. And so six years ago, kind of got officially involved um, as an investor and took on the CEO role. And it's been a journey ever since. Well, you know, so the audience knows, and full disclosure, Justin and I are familiar with this product, and we had talked with Sujit about possibly helping him produce this product, and it's really amazing. I mean, the flavors are delicious. Sujit, will you, like, tell everyone a little bit about your flavors and some of the ingredients? Because, you know, at first, it's a little bit funky, because it's, you know, it's kind of, juice is the name, and it's kind of isn't that based on it being a little bit of a chewy juice because it has whole ingredients? Isn't that how you guys came up with juice? Uh, yeah, you know, it is. So Liddell had studied for years uh, trying to understand, you know, his grandfather was part Native American and 
he really kind of carried along with him this tradition of natural healing. He taught, he kind of trained Liddell in that. As a, he raised Liddell from age five on this farm in Tennessee. And Liddell, as he kind of went through a whole cycle of, for himself in terms of, you know, natural living versus, you know, doing what other people are doing, whether it's you know, protein powders and steroids and all these things to kind of get, you know, the promise you know, the fountain of youth, but don't really deliver on it. He got, um, he came back to his grandfather's teaching as a, you know when he was in his late 30s, and um, he then you know decided go, when he hit the textbooks, he realized that a lot of his grandfather's wisdom was now substantiated in science, in terms of you know certain nutrients and herbs and different plant ingredients and what they did to the body, and so he kind of just started tinkering, you know, and decided you know he's really he's a great cook, and he just decided to put all these things together and try to understand what would be best, you know, in a more, in a complete nutritional model. Like what is it that our body needs in terms of the micronutrients and the macronutrients and kind of balance it. So, you know, this has got there, you know, these the kale, Brussels sprouts, ginger, cilantro, lemon, lime, apple, pear, pineapple, chia seed, flaxseed, hemp seed, sunflower seed, sesame seed, walnut, almonds, pecans. And I don't think I, it's just what I always remember off the top of my head. I think there's still some stuff missing there. But it's been, it's he really, it's kind of, it, it, it truly is what he set out, you know, to create. It's just kind of, it's complete because so many of these ingredients I mentioned are really, are they're chopped. You're getting the whole plant, like kiwi that's in our product is not even, it's washed. It's not peeled. The pe- You know, the, the peel, the skin of kiwi has some of them, you know, some of the most nutrient dense parts of the whole kiwi is that skin. So you know, that's, just chopped it's not peeled like you see in the restaurant um and uh but that you know there's brussels sprouts in there he picked this pineapple he picked it specifically because uh, pineapple has a, a plant nutrient called uh, bromelain that helps proteins get to their destination better so you eat protein and your body needs to transport it to your muscle to help rebuild muscle tissue or other tissue in your body and they use that protein and so bromelain he happened to realize is something that helps do that better so he this is where yeah, why he pulled in some of these um, ingredients uh to your question about the two flavors we have we have uh evergreen and heartbeat that's all we're doing is you know two blends we're trying to simplify it for the consumers i think sometimes there's so many flavors that are put out i think and i think the model for a lot of packaged food company is is to kind of come up with so many different flavors and combinations that, you know, you can just take up shelf space rather than necessarily deliver on something that, you know, what you're trying to set out to do is just simplify people's lives, make it easier to have, you know, complete nutrition and, you know, under, you know, under promise and deliver. And that's sort of what we do. I don't know if I answered any of your questions, but <laughs> no, you did. You did. And what... so, I mean, when you, when, I mean, I, it's definitely more than juice, but would you say it's as far as a meal replacement or like, how would you categorize it? That's a great question. Yeah. To me, yeah, absolutely. It is. I mean, this is, um, you know, let's say if you're having an apple, you know, and it, it, if you're having a nice, decent sized apple, you, you're getting two to three grams of fiber and maybe around 90 calories. Um, and that's the whole thing. Everyone knows you should eat an apple rather than drinking apple juice. Why? Because it has fiber. 
um, our product is unique in that there's no juices on the market that really have substantial fiber. Um, they all take the liquid out of the plant and the, the fiber and a lot of other nutrients inside the plant are left behind. And that's when people talk about having whole food, you know, eating plant, like in this case, plant-based whole food. And, um, yeah, because that's, it's substantial. It's not a drink. It's actually, it, you know, it's more like a meal and it's very filling. Fiber also happens to fill you up. Right. So and it also has, you also cold, mentioned high. nuts and stuff. So it also has protein, right? Yeah. And there's protein in some of the other you know, ingredients. Some of the leafy greens also have protein as well. I mean, it's, I think people often forget that they think of meat and they think of protein, but, um, you know, animals get their, most animals get their protein from plants. We get our, a lot of us get our protein from meat, uh, from animals. Right, right. So will you take a second and kind of share with the audience, one, where they can find your products? Because um, it's not, I mean, I don't think you're in all of the major chains at this point, but I know you have made some advances on that. So where all can they find you? So currently, we're only online. So we are. We were at one point um, uh, in Whole Foods, up to about ten Whole Foods in the South region here. And um, but we, in our journey, uh, in our entrepreneurial journey, um, you know, some people will, when they've gone through it, admit that it's a bit of a shit show. <laughs> um, that's just the way it is. I mean, it's, right. that's Trial just the growing part. It is, you know. It, and so, uh, but, you know, it's just between funding and growing, you know, I've stuck with this for a long time because I know it's a great product. And as we've kind of had our opportunity, we really felt we've always been five years ahead of our of time. We kind of kind of come into this position where we realize e-commerce is really our best initial opportunity um, to grow because we're able to communicate directly with the consumer, do the education there in a more cost-effective way rather than, you know, hiring legions of sales teams to go and cover territories, to, you know, to educate people in person, that becomes really expensive. And it's hard to do, especially since, you know, the two co-founders, um, you know, one has a full-time job. The other one, you know, Liddell's, you know, he's got his things that he's got to keep up. It's been hard to really, uh, to really kind of look at how to grow that in a retail environment quickly. So it's only online right now at choose.com. So will you maybe take us a little bit through the progression of Choose as a product? Because, you know, I, I, it's, your model has changed a little bit. And um, it sounds like part of that is the nature of the beast and a learning curve. And, you know, what I recall is that it was, uh, you guys are in a unique situation because you're not a solid and you're not a juice. And you're kind of, there's not other products like yours, which on one side makes it a super great product because it's unique and it's amazing. And I mean, I thoroughly enjoy it, but it's also for the consumer and for the grocery store. I remember it kind of being like, where do they place you was always kind of the question. And so maybe you could take everyone through a little bit of the progression of this product and, you know, the thought process, because really you guys are treading new territory and figuring it out as you go kind of a thing. So maybe you could share a little with on that topic. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. It is. Um, it's been interesting. The, you know, people, you know, they see things with their eyes and they get, you know, their impression of what something is, you know, is based on what else they see that looks like that. And, you know, when we, we always knew we were ahead of our time, but what's really interesting is that the, um, when we got into the market, 
it was at the same time that the real the premium juice category uh, was really taking off. So that's only continued to grow exponentially you know, since that time. And that whole space um, in the bigger retail markets is crowded. It is really hard in a bottle looking like a juice to, to sell yourself as something that looks just like a juice while you're trying to tell people you know, in the same kind of bottles, yet you're telling people that this is more than just juice. Right. And I think, you know, that, that kind of emotional reaction, the, the, the visual, you know, the, the visibility, or I want to say the visualness of it is really um, is important to spark, you know, to really striking an emotional chord for somebody like what, what kind of problem are we solving for them? And, uh, you know, we've been kind of determined for a while now to look at how to get into newer packaging that really helps to the consumer identify us as a food right off the bat, where you don't need to have somebody um, standing there doing samples, but rather you have, you know, a, a packaging unit that right off, the, you know, right, right from the get-go speaks to a more towards, a, you know, food, snacks, small, small meal um, uh, type of product. But, you know, fortunately, the as a technology that's really helped grow the um, cream and juice category has taken off, which is high pressure processing. It evolved as well for other formats for, you know, grab and go healthy food. So, you know, this is where we really see a lot of growth opportunity for us in the future is, you know, this whole, if you go to the grocery store now and look at your yogurts and your, um, that whole section, um, they are combining a lot of different concepts They're putting oatmeal together with Greek yogurt or, um, you know, I know Coca-Cola is going to be launching something, you know, overseas on um, like muesli um, that is done more like a juice and sold in a bottle. Oh, really? That's um, interesting. Yeah. So it's like this whole shift toward kind of blurring the line between food and drink it's happening, but people still, you know, you have to kind of make a better distinction. Are you a food or a drink? And I think this is what's been, you know, really hard for us to learn and accept is that we're in the, you know, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs go through this where they're fixated so much, you know, we get fixated on how it is, but you forget that society and culture changes a bit and perceptions don't necessarily, you know, match up to the reality that you want others to, um, you know, to perceive, and, you know, it just, it's, and I think that's been just, that's been a valuable learning experience over time. It's just in the end, you know, you're, you're, you know, if you really are solving a problem, which is almost always going to be an emotional problem for a consumer and you really truly believe that it has value for a lot of consumers, then, you know, you know we've always been confident people like our product. The problem is, the question's always been, how do we grow it to scale beyond a local um, success story? Right. You know, and how do we prepare ourselves for that growth? So I think all of our kind of moves over the last two years have been more strategic in, in positioning ourselves for that scalability, uh, not just in sort of our, our supply chain and how we you know, manufacture and distribute the product, but but you know, have that capacity, but also have sort of a strategy in where we're going to be, where, where are we going next in our packaging? 
And so have you guys decided what that packaging looks like? I know when we were looking at it, you um, were in a wide mouth bottle and then you were talking about possibly like having a big straw, like a, you know, so that you could get the particles through it. Um, But have you guys decided what that packaging is looking like? It'll be more in the, I think in the cup kind of, uh, you know, uh, type of format, something that is, looks like a food because I think you know again if you look at yogurt cups and those things there's a lot more than just yogurt being sold in um you know that type of format right you know, guacamoles now and salsas etc so I think there's a lot of opportunity there and so we've tested out some mm-hmm. of this you know and also what's nice is the, the the a lot of this packaging has become more kind of available as a stock item right um rather than you know so a company like ours might have to several years ago spent you know, in excess of $10,000 to get a mold, a, a unique mold made. Um, now others have already gone out and tested it out, tried it out, and, you know, have shown success with it. Right. So, right. Um, you know, so we, that's what we've tested out. But, you know, I'm, not, I'm still not convinced that we're, you know, again, as we continue, you know, to grow our momentum online. Right. Um, our plan is to, down the line, just to have multiple formats. So are you guys using HPP right now? Yep. Yep. So, so our Do you want to yep. share with everyone too like the benefits of HPP because I think a lot of people might not be aware of what that what that technology is. Yeah. No, sure. The, you know HPP is you know high pressure processing. It is it's been around for a while um, as a technology. It is a, a, a food processing uh, process that basically, instead of heat pasteurization, which has been around for more than a hundred years, as a way to kill microbes, germs that you know, spoilage bacteria. Um, this technique uh, puts, you know, uh, a food product in a hydraulic chamber that's closed, and then it it um, applies three atmospheres of pressure, and so that's about seventy-two thousand pounds per square inch for three. You know, typically our product goes through for three minutes. And it's an FDA-approved process that helps where the pressure goes through the plastic of the bottle and um, helps to disrupt and destroy sort of the outer membrane of these of these spoilage bacteria. So you know, things like E. coli and listeria um, aren't uh, are actually you know aren't destroyed, aren't going to grow, and so it helps prolong the shelf life, maintains freshness of the product. That was a big deal when we first tested it out was to, to make sure that it didn't alter the taste and texture of our product too much because so much of our product is about taste and texture. Right. Yeah, no, it's a great process. It's definitely something um, I've spent a lot of time and actually had the pleasure of going and touring several different facilities and manufacturers. And it's really, truly a phenomena and I think a blessing to the whole food industry because it's, especially with everyone being more concerned with having whole foods and natural and, you know, to be able to extend shelf life without having to put any preservatives in is such a great thing. And so for a product like you guys, that it has so many health benefits to be able to keep it natural it's just a really great technology and it's cool to hear that you guys are using that and it's helping you because it also gives your product shelf life which gives you guys longer time to sell it and all of that stuff and make money on it because you know the worst is when you make a product and if you don't sell the whole thing you have to dispose of it and so that's a great thing that you guys have that happening and you've been able to figure that out with the price point and everything right right i totally agree I um 
I always find it interesting that, you know, the chewable juice thing, it's hard for people to, to recognize that drinking something or chewing it at the same time. When the soup industry is such a huge um, part of the world and even cold soups, so it's not much different. It's just you're getting your raw ingredients. It's not cooked in any way, but it is cold ingredients basically put together. And I think if people's mindset was more like, hey, this is... I mean, it's similar to a cold soup, which is very popular in Europe and, and other places in the world. That, But you're getting all your nutrition. You're getting the vehicles you need to deliver protein efficiently to your body and your muscles for those that are in the fitness world, you know, that are listening to this podcast, that this is the way of the future in terms of delivering things into your body efficiently at the same time without having to you know, chop a bunch of vegetables and fruits and mix them all together and then juice a bunch of yeah. things to get what you need. It's delivering everything you need in, in, in one bite and, and then in one swallow or, or a few and whatever in a bottle. But the efficiency of the delivery, I think, is very important for people to understand that, you know, chewable juice, uh, as juice does, is a way of getting the nutrition your body needs in an expedited fashion. And so, right. I, I mean, I mean, obviously, you were attracted to the product because of its nutritional value. As yeah, a but doctor. you know, I would say I was uh, not off the bat. I mean, like a lot of doctors, I you know we didn't really you know get and we didn't come we, we don't come out of medical school as nutrition experts, <laughs> right? And we we live in a world that really. Where even doctors I know, I mean, with doctors, doctors I know are just like every other American, and they're not necessarily healthy. We don't have any kind of secret knowledge of how to be healthy, and we struggle just like everybody else. And it's because we've come to believe some things that are just uh, things that are fundamentally um, against. Uh, you know, science in terms of what, how much we really know, you know, in, in terms of the world of nutrition science. And um, so, yeah, sorry, that was, is a big thing is that I didn't, I definitely did not recognize uh, how important shoes could be in the beginning until I started digging more and started realizing one, how little bit I, how little I knew about health and nutrition and, you know, wellness and preventative you know, care and then, and two, you know, how amazing this product was that Liddell had created in terms of solving a lot of what, um, you know, the, the current, like the juice industry, and a lot of health and wellness trends and supplements, all these things try to promise in the end is, you know, getting people healthier with, um, without being able to really do that. I mean, just, you know, again, it, it, there's, we've been selling snake oil in this country for, for over a century and in some version or other there are people who will try to promise that you're going to do you know this this thing take this and it's going to you know make you healthy or imply it i think that's just that's part of the reason that we have so much confusion about what you know nutrition is all about and right. so and this is what kind of just blew me away more and more about what liddell created this this actually solves the fiber problem it's you know because you know, everyone's talking about microbiome. There's nothing more important for your microbiome survival than fiber. 
and um, most Americans get 10 to 12 grams a day. We should be getting at least 25 to 35. And uh, but we also need to make it available for people who need it the most. And this, a lot of patients I take care of, families in all around Metro Atlanta, and parents are working hard. They go and. and Eventually, our target is really going to be everyday people who are currently getting a hot dog or a milkshake for breakfast at a convenience store. Right. You're like, there's got to be and something better. They're interested. You know, and in the juice industry several decades ago started telling, you know, they realized this, you know, expansive opportunity to really market juices as um, sort of the equivalent of having a salad. And it just, it's just not. It is, there's nothing. There's no correlation. So, you know, drinking, you know, a beverage that's refreshing and tasting has got good plant chemicals in it, but it's lacking whole nutrients in the fiber, then it's actually provoking, you know, more of the problem we have with spiking glucose, which spikes insulin, insulin going up and down, which is really bad for our bodies. Right. Well, it seems like there's two markets that would be like especially in today's world, that it, this product would be so great. One is the athlete, because those athletes are always looking for a way to put whole ingredients into their body. And so that just seems like a natural fit. And then it also, there is such a trend happening right now. I was just reading an article the other day about Anthem. We do uh, healthcare with uh, quite a few hospital groups. And just the trend of of these hospital groups looking at food as medicine. And it just seems like that's such a natural fit. And um, a lot of these groups are even starting to want the insurance to cover food try, more as a preventative preventative care type of a thing to keep people out of the hospital. Because, you know, while it maybe costs the insurance company money to provide food to people, it also, if it keeps them out of the hospital, that's way bigger savings. So it just seems like those are two really niche markets for you guys. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how you get into all that, but, you know, as you guys market, how do you approach all of that? You know, I think what's great about e-commerce is that you really have to step back and be open and not assume things. You know, right now, we know, you know, where the where the great, you know, growth opportunity is in terms of, uh, you know, who is the consumer segment most likely to be interested in a product like choose based on our past experience. But the way e-commerce has changed and keeps growing um, as we launch new came, you know, we're about three to four weeks away from real launch, relaunching our website. It's been sort of a four-month process of, um, of really trying to, you know, take and strategically taking a step back and figure out how do we tell the story better? How do we, you know, highlight the product and the essence of who we are better in our website? Because we need to do that first before we really get aggressive with trying to grow the e-commerce um, in a scalable way. So we're going to, you know, we're going to, Sometimes in these, in the, if you do these, you, you run into like, well, okay, I, we were a little, so we threw a wide marketing net out there to, uh, you know, a diverse array of people, and huh, we were a little surprised. But it turns out, you know, it might be sort of somebody you didn't expect who has a profile you did not expect to be really interested. And what's what's been great so far in you know, again, as small as we are relative to really, you know, big e-commerce companies, the volumes they do is our experience so far has been that there really is sort of a wide swath of people from various demographics who really who do like our product and, um, and are purchasing it. So 
it's been so I'm excited to, as we go and do these new campaigns and to figure out who it is, you know, what are the different consumer groups we can really focus on initially. Because you can't be all things to all people right away. I mean, even a convenience store stuff is something down the line you want to do. It's it's not something I can expect to put on a shelf right now and have it sell. It's just we want to try and learn and understand over the next year or two, how do we, you know, what is it going to take to get there? And, and I have to be open to the idea that there might be some surprise along the way, things that we just did not expect to happen that might happen. So, I mean, as you guys are looking to the future, what what are kind of some markers on the wall that you guys are aiming for, and what are the goals that are you're working towards? Uh, right now, our you know goal is to get to million dollars, uh, you know, in run rate. So, you know, trying to get to eighty thousand dollars a month in sales, all online, um, and so that's a big milestone. You know, it's. Uh, I think it would be a great achievement to get there even, you know, by the end of the year. But, you know, I think it's entirely possible for us to do it sooner than that, too. Right. So I think that's sort of the, the biggest, the bigger one right now. And so with, with that in mind, um, I want to make sure so everyone in the audience can go to www.choose.com. Uh, to get your products, but what kind of packs do they come in and how do you ship them and how did you figure all of that out? Because I want to make sure that anyone in the audience who's interested in trying uh, juice and chewable juices and all of our followers in the that are athletes and things like that, I really recommend trying it. So how do they go about it and what quantities do they order in and what's the the health benefits of the two juices separately? Um, we a little bit talked about them as a whole, but you have two different kinds for a reason. So can we talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, you know, I'll start with the, um, with the uh, sort of the two products. Um, you know, Liddell created something that was uh, meant to be sort of an all-purpose thing. And so we have the heartbeat, uh, which you know, sounds, you know, has beats in it. It is a, um, it, it's 90% similar to the evergreen. Um, it's just a little bit different uh, taste profile, and um, uh, and the evergreen, you know, similar. They're both 150 calories per eight ounce bottle. That's all we're selling online. They are eight ounce bottles, and uh, they are, you know, functionally speaking, they're meant to be, uh, you know, again, an overall nutritional solution. So if you're an athlete and you're you know, you're also working and you are, you're, you know, you have limited options and you want to just put the best kind of calories in your body that are going to help for inflammation, going to help for recovery. Um, you know, both products are great. I think for a lot of endurance athletes, the, uh, the heartbeat is, has got beats in it, which is great in terms of nitric oxide in your body. And it's a natural way to really help your uh, cardiovascular system really kind of function optimally with that nitric oxide. And so that's, you know, sort of both of the green is just in general, is our more popular flavor. And it is, and they're both, we call them awkwardly delicious and ridiculously healthy. So if you're someone looking to try to lose lose weight, you are going to, we have some, uh, it's usually men who do it this way. It's like friends in town who they'll have somewhere between three to four bottles a day for several days when they feel like they've been uh, eating the wrong way they've enjoyed too much uh rich food too much a little bit too much booze and 
they, you know, they want to make up for it. And so choose really both of them just with a full of fiber and all the diverse array of plant fibers that we have in it because fiber comes from plants. And, you know, we have a lot of different plants. Our microbiome, which is all this, you know, probiotic bacteria that live inside us, you know, put them all together, they're somewhere between three to five pounds. You know, they outnumber our cells. And we also talk about our inner brain and the microbiome. That's what it is. So they are, they work better when they are nourished and they are nourished by fiber and a diverse array of plant fibers. Not, a, not all probiotic bacteria like the same kind of plant fiber. And so there is a lot of, you know, benefit in that kind of reset. And this, we're going to be launching sort of this choose uh, the whole plant reset program online where you can do, you know, up to three to four bottles a day up until 6 p.m. And what you're doing in that is that you are kind of nourishing your microbiome and whether you're trying to lose weight and just trying to function better, you're, you know, we know our microbiome is tied to our immune system um, in various ways. And it's so, again, it's just better functionality. This is what our microbiome has always like kind of you know this been they've been starved of fiber for you know a couple of generations now so that's sort of where you know, people feel full when they have it and they can do three to four bottles easily until 6 p.m why and, are you saying you know, until 6 p.m is there some what's magic about that you know i think earlier in the day in terms of your body uh, you know mostly in the morning your body tends to be um uh kind of you know, your body naturally detoxifies itself. Right. And, you know, it is, it, and so there is sort of this process going through. Um, and, and so while your body is flushing itself out, uh, you know, whatever it is you're putting in it, um, you know, earlier in the day is a great time then to also replenish, you know, with the stuff. And it's just the idea is after 6 p.m. is that people can have, you know, regular dinner between, you know, like between 6 to 9 p.m. Drink a minimum amount of water a day. Avoid certain avoid certain foods. Right. Um, and then they just you know we just get you know a lot of people who just say the same thing. You know, God, I have juice and I don't feel hungry for three hours. They go into a three hour meeting and it just that's because that fiber really helps make the blood sugar stay nice and steady because um, instead of it spiking up and down. And so um, yeah, so that's what you know we're going to be launching that whole program and then. Um, online right now, the way we have we have insulated packaging. When people order, they can order either six bottles or twelve bottles. Uh, typically, it's it's you know free delivery if you order twelve bottles, unless you're on the West Coast. Uh, we ship in these these um, boxes that come in insulation. They're biodegradable. Uh, the insulation is biodegradable. The box is recyclable, and the ice packs that we put in are recyclable as well. And so people can get their order of 12 bottles. Um, it stays cold and it's usually for 48 hours. We can send it by ground delivery um, anywhere in the, you know, in the eastern and midwestern part of the country. And uh, we do a little surcharge for air shipping to the west coast. So it can get there in two days. And so that's a process. We're still kind of in the, we're, you know, we're, we're in the process of actually continuing to learn and figure out how do we optimize that, how do we bring our costs down, yet still get really fresh, delicious product. So when the they're delivered, are they refrigerated or frozen? Um, they, you know, through the winter, it's been easier to not have to do it uh, frozen, but this is going to be frozen um, 
you know, right, you know, as of now, you know, we're really starting to try to get most of the product frozen before it goes out. Right. Well, Justin and I travel a bit, and so is it. Is the product fine if you freeze it? So, like, if you order it and it's, you know, in your fridge, but you're like, oh, I'm leaving town. Can you throw it in the freezer and then drink oh, it when you come back? Yeah, it, absolutely. It weathers well absolutely. in the freezer. Yeah, because some products, you know, you put it in yeah. the freezer, you take it out, and you're like, ah, oh, it didn't work out so well. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, yeah, cool. Absolutely. So no, it does great. You know, it is. Yeah. Well, I know in, <clears throat> we were just in St. Thomas, Deborah and I, with my family for vacation, but you can freeze it then and then just let it naturally melt while when you pull it out in hotter climates. I'm assuming in Georgia, the hot weather there, you freeze them, you pull them out of your fridge in the morning, and as you go throughout the day to drink whatever, the 3 before 6 p.m., you can then let them defrost throughout the day just naturally, and they'll still be cold, I think is, is probably acceptable um don't quote me on that yeah. from a food code but um <laughs> yeah but it, it's what's hard is you know during the heat in the middle of summer it does sometimes thaw a little you know and by the time it gets to the consumer it, just, it might be still cold but it actually might be thawed in, you know in the height of summer and if you're going somewhere where it's going to be kind of getting to the peak you know the right at the 48 hour period it's, it's likely to get you know thawed and be, still be cold on the arrival and I want to talk about that a little bit just real quick because Deborah and I do a lot in all of the co-packaging production we do and you shipping stuff is hard to keep it, you know, fresh and make sure it hits the right temperatures when you ship it. So shipping it frozen obviously keeps it cold by the time it gets to the consumer, even if it's defrosted. By freezing it, you ensure that it gets there and it still has its product integrity and obviously doesn't grow any pathogens or bacterias or anything or mold uh, that can hurt the consumer. So, you know, I just want to touch upon that with for the audience that, you know, making sure as food production companies um, and you guys included that you're shipping a product to them uh, to make sure that it remains in good condition by the time it gets to them. So I love that we mentioned that for sure, because I think it is important that um, that you guys do always have the consumers in mind and making sure they get a quality product, make sure they get a, a healthy product that's nutritious as well as uh, protecting them from any foodborne illness. So... Yeah, no, and I think uh, learning from other companies that are doing it well, I think is always, it's always great. You know, I realized sometimes I was like, well, why aren't I, you know, why don't I just order, you know, you know, a bunch of different people's products and, and so I can see what it looks like on delivery and how they did it. And, you know, amazed often how you'll be like, wow, I didn't, wow, the, the way they set this up was really genius and this is, this is great. Right. And that's super smart, right? You're like, hey, these are companies already doing it. I can learn from them. That's a really smart approach. I mean, speaking of that, I mean, with this whole show being about entrepreneurs, maybe you can share with everyone a little bit about, because I mean, by trade and what you actually do as a full-time job is an ER doctor. And so being an entrepreneur, what are some of the things you've learned through the years of doing this that you would want to share with other entrepreneurs, like learning things or, you know, you know, just a mentality or how to keep yourself motivated. What are some of the things that you would maybe want to pass on to other people? Wow. That's, that's great. I mean, there is like on the motivate I and mean, there's different you know, parts of that. It's, it's a loaded question because if you ask anyone who's been, you know, through this, it's, you know, it does, it's, it's emotional. Cause if you believe in something you're going to, you want to, you really believe in your heart that this is really meant to be something. And I've been doing this for six years and, you know, we've gone up and down. It, it is, 
there has to be a belief in it that then, you know, and you have to also be able to be willing, willing to look at, um, understand people's reaction and see, do people like it? You know, do people, I think there's a lot of companies and people who are trying to solve problems that might not exist. And so you have to kind of be honest with yourself. And I learned that myself, you know, that this is, all the products been great. There's been different things that we've tried out that I didn't want to change. And um, kind of then realized later on, like, okay, I was stuck in my head and I could have really benefited from stepping back and acknowledging that that could be done better, you know, as a, right. as a type A personality, you know, type, you know, <laughs> type A doctor, yeah. you know, it's hard to give up, you know, that ground. You're like, oh, no, I, you know, in your mind, you believe that this has to be done this way. Right. You get really and set on an idea. Up. Yeah. So I think that's, that's, you know, that's really important uh, to be able to always be willing to, to step back and look at new ways and, you know, recognize if conditions have changed. And I think that's hard to always do, but conditions can change rapidly in terms of, you know, spending habits and buying habits you know, from the consumer. Right. And, you know, this taken me, you know, as well, I made a lot of mistakes in not recognizing that, you know, at different times. And, um, and, you know, I think then coming finally where this has been, where it's kind of leading towards is, you know, if you are solving an emotion, that emotional problem, you have to be open to how do you, how do you do that best? You know, how do you, how do you be authentically who you are as a company and what you see the brand being and how do you, you know, marry the two so that you start to understand what's our path forward, you know, a belief in the product you know, and then understanding what that emotional problems you're solving for people and then trying to then coming up with a plan and a strategy of how you're going to address it and market that and, and let people know. Right. I mean, that ability to pivot is always, you know, just pinnacle concept for an entrepreneur to be able to, you know, whether it's your own mindset or whether it's a different route or different packaging or different something. Um, you know, we were talking yesterday with, you know, a gentleman and he was saying how he wasn't the typical businessman and didn't write a business plan. And <laughs> we laughed a little bit about that because we're like, well, the one thing about a business plan is it never works out the way we plan. And I think as entrepreneurs, I mean, you're just reiterating the point that you have to be willing to pivot and, you know, go outside your own thinking of what maybe you had conceived of in the original plan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And I think I would say I would communicate that it's been harder than I thought it would ever be. I would never have really appreciated um, just how with the challenge of being an entrepreneur. And I have the luxury of having a full-time job, you know, in a career but people who go and do it, you know, and they are putting everything, they're putting it all on the line, everything, you know, and it just, it blows me away. And, you know, again, I would never have gotten a chance to really appreciate, you know, all those aspects of it if, had, I, had I not done it myself. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a lot. I mean, there have been times, like I have said before about past businesses, like if someone wrote a script and said, this is what you're going to have to do, I would have been like, I don't know if I can do all that. Like, that's a lot, you know, but when you get into it, it's one step at a time and you really get to a point where you believe in what you're doing and you're, you just find a way to do it. And uh, so that's really cool. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, being full-time and, you know, being a doctor. And so how do you balance the two, being CEO of a company but also having a full-time career? Um, that's been another area of learning. It's just resetting your expectations, you know. Um, I think sometimes people can shoot really high and have high expectations of themselves and others. And 
just doesn't jive, you know, and it just, and then you end up, you know, you're trying to make it work. So you end up, you know, beating yourself up about it. And I think sometimes I've come to realize that the universe works in, you know, mysterious ways, but it's just with the limited time you have, how do you make it, put it, put it all together. And so for me, it's been kind of resetting expectations and trying to look at this as a, an opportunity that still may or may not succeed. But I am, I'm kind of happy in this place where I am right now. So you know, my job is a lot of shift work. I do, I do I'm involved in you know, medical research project as well. Um, that's I'm very passionate about. And, uh, you know, a lot of my shifts happen to be in the evening or when they're not, I am oftentimes coming home working, you know, getting some work stuff done, getting caught up late at night. Uh, so it's busy. It's uh, but you know, the way to balance it is you have to be you on, know, there has to be a passion for it there first foremost. And then you try to figure out, you know, how do I, how do I balance this? I'm, I don't want to be having you no know, sort of this kind of business for me you know, perpetually for years to come, I do think that there are segments, you know, where you kind of work hard and put a lot of hours in to help build and grow something. And um, so that's what I'm trying to do. I, I just, uh, I find a way to make work. I mean, maybe sometimes the training and having kind of been subjected to sort of nurturing and training at a time where we did, you just, that was the nature of the job. You just, you put a lot of hours in. And, um, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's something that the maybe younger generation does not see as much, even in medical training, people coming out of medical school now and their expectations when they're in their training is far less than what, um, you know, I had when I was in, um, in that, um, period. Um, so that's interesting. Know, I think the hard work. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I think so. It's, well, across the board, you know, it's just a, Right. generation that is a bit, you know, going to be a bit softer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it's really interesting because a generation that lives longer, you think they could spend more time doing the training and spend more time learning and, and forming the habits necessary. But for whatever reason, we it's a shorter attention span. It's a, a more instant gratification and it's more the reward before the, um, effort has ever been put in i would say they're looking for the reward before they've ever actually earned their stripes for lack of a better term um, we see it quite a bit in our own business and um so should i have a few questions uh, also is so are how do you guys do all your production are you doing it yourself um do you and do you guys do it personally or do you have employees and how do you manage all of that uh, yeah, and no, we, you know, so we, for years, we were manufacturing the product ourselves and, um, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot to take on. Um, you know, we had at one point, we had a team of 10, um, maybe a little bit more and we had a production facility. Um, it was also an event space and, and we did a lot of mom and pop stores that we distributed to before we opened up Whole Foods. And so, uh, it was. You know, that, it, that was a lot. And then we realized, you know, in the last couple of years, how e-commerce really was making more and more sense for us to have the growth and the margins that could really work for us to just to, you know, to grow in it while educating people directly rather than um, having higher teams and, you know, and, and sales reps to, you know, be in there sampling the product. 
uh, at, a, at a place like a Whole Foods. So uh, we got out of manufacturing. Uh, it's been still been less than a year, um, and so we have a co-packer who makes it for us here in town. And we are, you know, we like like with a relationship and we've been sort of just building it and trying to because it's a unique product. It's, wasn't easy to make, but they've, you know, we really believe that they've gotten to this point where they're just, they're really making, they're helping us make a delicious product and making my life easier because we don't have a manufacturing um, uh, operation to to have to fund and, and manage. And so, you know, they make it, they make it for us and we ship it out you know, online just with those orders. So then, you know, the, the process is, is there's not like wide distribution we're trying to do right now. So it's just, it just simplifies everything. I love that. Actually. I love that. Um, the model because trying to manage employees and stuff when you're trying to ramp up and you don't have enough work to keep them busy full time can be difficult for sure. And then trying to build a business while building the manufacturing side is a little bit hard because you, really that most of the concentration needs to be put into sales and marketing and making sure the customer or end user or whatever has the best experiences possible. And it's hard to do that when you're facing backwards at the manufacturing and then trying to face forward and giving a customer experience and trying to deliver an excellent product. So um, I definitely think that's awesome. Absolutely. Totally agree. And so basically you have a co-package to co-packer and they um they send it to you and you guys do all the shipping yeah with all the online fulfillment we just yeah we pack it up um and uh yeah send it out mostly all on fedex right now i'll I'll take care of um local some local delivery so i can save some cost of the of the uh insulated box and the fedex fee sometimes if things are on my way um, I'm going to the hospital, back from the hospital. I can, um, you know, sometimes have an order. I'll just, I, you know, our, our company is small. There's just, you know, a, a few of us right now. It's all meant to be, again, low cost, bootstrapped, and efficient. Um, so this, you know, we've had a company that was wide distribution with a large team and a lot of costs in manufacturing and gone to a company that's, you know, you know, really showing itself to be leaning and it's just we've had some even before we launched the website we had a premature kind of leap in sales over the last two months that has become a good surprise in it because it also helped us test out the operation um and you know we we're already starting to get you know towards you know being able to see getting to the revenues that we used to have when we were a large team um selling in you know, 20, 25 outlets, um, you know, small and, you know, small and large retail. And um, now to a point where we are, you know, basically one point of distribution, you know, and right to the consumer and, you know, know, extremely, you know, lower cost than we were having to endure every month when we were a big operation. And I, you know, and I want to make two points and then I'm going to have a question. The first point is, is how you use 
competition, even though they weren't directly competing with you, to order things online and see how they package and send things to learn your model and the importance of competition. We've talked about it on one of our Motivational Mondays, but that competition can actually drive us to do better, but we can also learn for them. And so I want to make that point. And the other point is pivoting as an entrepreneur. And I, and I think that what you guys are doing by pulling back and seeing opportunity in e-commerce and a different business model versus the traditional business model of trying to push the grocery stores, trying to push the brick and mortar, and then putting sales teams on the ground and manufacturing the product yourself is is awesome. And I think a lot of people out there who are, are struggling to figure out how to bring their business forward, like bringing it back a step, going back to the basics and figuring out how to build it is important. So I love that for sure. Um, so that's important that I want to make sure the audience knows and the entrepreneurs out there uh, understand. And then my next question is, is as you guys developed a logo and are putting the packaging together how are you seeing that move forward are you keeping the same logo and it's just a packaging difference um and if you're keeping the same logo how did you guys come up with it because i love the logo oh thanks you know the um yeah we are you know in the relaunch of this website you know we are changing um, some things, and it's been, it'll be subtle. I think you'd have to be designer to, to see the difference in the actual word choose itself. Um, but the, uh, the heart part, we're going to, we'll, we won't have that anymore. It won't be a heart, it choose inside the heart, but the, the font style will be a little bit different. And just, you know, if you've, again, there's relationships, you, you, you know, when you have a designer, you can build a relationship with, you trust, and you think that they understand what your goals are, what you're trying to do, they, um, you know, that can just, that can work well. Um, and so, you know, I've had a designer who we made just a freelance, who's freelanced uh, for us because we can't, you know, I've, I've really, again, I've, I've really focused on bringing down our costs. So, um, you know, people who are willing to work and understand that this is what I can afford. This is what, you know, can you help with X, Y, and Z? Um, that's what we've been able to do. So yeah, we have, we're making some small modifications to it, really going towards this, this, you know, juice, you know, juicy super salad. We think that is a better way for the destination we're going. It's a better way to help explain sort of the format of food that we're actually presenting to people, which is like, Oh, you know, juicy super salad, you know, you know, at least help stop people. Maybe we'll stop and say, that's sounds weird. You know, (laughs) it's a good thing if people stop and say it's weird, you know, that's what we wanted to do because in, in maybe they'll start to uh, then investigate and look, you know, look a, a little bit deeper. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think the, okay. the disadvantage of not having money or, or investors sometime or funding that we, we think we need to grow the business often becomes our greatest advantage. One, it helps us fight with more tenacity, especially when we believe in it and it doesn't make it any easier. That's for sure. Emotionally. But what it does do is it forces us to pivot and refocus on our plans. And so, you know, I love hearing that because we do hear it a lot on this podcast, the, where the disadvantage of not having money or, or um, funding or investors has forced people to, to learn more and be more involved in their businesses and thus been more of an asset to the business themselves. 
and what you guys are doing in reducing costs and, and transitioning again i just i think it's amazing that you guys are doing it and it is where the world is going i think amazon and e-commerce um is becoming so important and people really don't enter brick and mortar as much as they used to even for their groceries um so as you you transitioned um you know tell us a little bit about how you you know you decided to do that what was actually the turning point for you to pull out of the grocery stores and and go into e-commerce was there a specific event or it's just the reducing of costs and the money told the story for you yeah, no, it was uh, it was uh, adding balance to my life. Uh, you know, I just saw that, and that was I think that's really sort of the answers. Like, what drove that is that um, I found myself being stressed about creating sales, and you know, raising money is not easy. It's I had never done it before this, and um, itself, you know, is a learn. It's been a learning experience. Uh, but I uh, I realized like, wow, this. You know, getting product into Whole Foods and dealing with all of that on top of trying to, you know, manage e-commerce is it's a pain in the ass. And it's just, it's not, it's it's more stress than it's worth. And, it, and you know, I think the turning point, you know, for me was, um, you know, when I'm dealing with some of that stress, uh, you know, in the, in the last couple of years, you know, there's been times where all of a sudden, you know, here in Atlanta last year, we got hit with a, worst flu epidemic you know we've had you know in terms of volume of patients coming in you know, I, and i've been here for almost um been here for 18 years practicing and it's one of the worst definitely i think in terms of the volume of patients it's the worst outbreak I, i'd seen and so we we're inundated and i just i realized like i cannot you know i i have to do everything i can to simplify the model because it has to survive because that's what you believe as an entrepreneur this thing is meant to sort of you know have a place in, in pop culture in the future. And, um, you know, how do I do that? But also make my life sane and, you know, kind of do, you know, fulfill my priorities, you know, be able to be there, you know, for, for my family, you know, really be a hundred percent there for my patients. Um, and being breasted, you know, um, and then, you know, and then, uh, and trying to make, you know, try to think strategically how to how do we just make the foundation for choose stronger? Because sometimes it just it is foundation building is it's sometimes you know, it can take a long time. But yes, we are willing to do that. There can be some great benefit. I'm I'm hoping you know down down the line in, in making that foundation for you know and that foundation isn't just an operation, but it's also the foundation for brand. You know, who and what are you as a product? And what emotional problem are you solving for people? And so, have and since the year you've you've transitioned in this direction, has your life um, become easier? Is it is it becoming better? And I, you mentioned your sales were almost as high as they were before without all the expenses and the overhead. Are you seeing that the pivot is bringing more success to you as an individual in terms of your personal life and? and um, your professional job as well as the company itself. Absolutely, yeah. There's, there's no doubt. When I look back at the, sort of what my thoughts and expectations were, uh, you know, a year, year and a half ago, compared to now, um, I realize I'm in a much better place because my real my expectations are both are kind of realistic yet really still 
you know, allowing me to do you know, the things that I, I want to do and, um, and, you know, be true to myself and who I am as a person. So I feel like I'm in a much better place. Am I, like, often busy week to week? Yeah, like, a, you know, a bit, you know, uh, too busy, you know. But, and, you know, I could be, I could be there for my family more. And, and it is, and they've been fantastic. And my wife's been absolutely amazing, you know, in terms of just being a support and being, um, being there for me to, you know, to kind of venture into all these you know, different areas and keep them moving forward. Yeah, so I said it was my last question, So, but I have one more, actually. And that is the support of your family in this venture and how they're involved and, and your wife. And how is, you know, how does all that go? And how do you have the conversations with her? And six years later, uh, what has that been like? I'm sure she appreciates that it's easier for you now in the last year. But sort of how does that dynamic um, affect you? You know, it, it grows. I mean, it's something that it's not been always easy, and it's still. I, I'll be lying if I said it was really easy right now. No, uh, but I think in the end, for both you know, for my you know, for my wife, my daughter, my son, uh, they know that I have passion for something, and that it's well founded in the end. And so, you know, it's hard to get an eleven and thirteen year old to help you, you know, go and and, and pack thirty orders, you know, that to go out. But you know. You know, for my, you know, for my, because I had to get them off their devices because the damn devices. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Those dag, those dag nabbit kids. Yeah. Um, they, uh, it's my, uh, you know, my wife is just, yeah, she's just incredible with that. Just, and she's just, uh, she's just efficient. And she helps me make me more efficient. Um, you know, get, but I'm still, it's still, it's always a work in progress. I think that maybe that's part of it is you have to be willing to understand at the beginning of the entrepreneurial journey that you, you yourself might be a work in progress and that you have to be open and self-aware enough to, re, you know, and emotionally mature enough to bring judgment on yourself and not take it personal or let judgment come in and let feedback come in and not take it personally. Rather sometimes to step back and say, huh, you know, why am I reacting this way? Um, to this person, is there something you know that is kind of the way my clock ticks is making me react that way when I don't need to? And you know, just because it's it's amazing how much emotionality in general you know can really fits in to the entrepreneurial journey. So I think, yeah, it's being able to, like I said, just uh, you know, we are all works in progress, and you know, being open to that it helps you kind of realize you're a human being. You're going to make mistakes. And, you know, as you go forward, you start to learn like, ah, you know, I make some of the same mistakes over and over again. How do I get out of that? I need to you know, acknowledge that. Acknowledging it is the first step and then being able to then, it helps you manage yourself better and, and manage, you know, the decisions you have to make better as you, as you move forward with it. I think that's some great wisdom there, Sujit. It's not just the product we're growing, but we're also growing ourselves. And it is a journey for sure, no doubt. We learn lots about the process, but we're also learning about ourselves. And gosh, sometimes we have to be more flexible too. And that's some really great wisdom. And yeah, and we're encouraging the growth of the individuals around us. And, you know, we talk about that, you know, some on this podcast, but Deborah and I definitely talk about it a lot of progress over perfection. It's we're never going to be perfect, but we need to make sure that we continue to make progress forward. 
And sometimes we continually do make the same mistake over and over again. And it's how do we, we not, we form a different habit and, and things like that in business and in life. And I really love that um, you are trying to involve your children in the entrepreneurial journey because we have found on this podcast that children of entrepreneurs or that have the entrepreneurial experience tend to be entrepreneurs themselves and really take life into their own hands and get to live their own dreams and have the confidence to pursue their dreams and and the things that they want to do in life. And, and that's a beautiful thing, I think for, for real. And, you know, Deborah and I are both the products of parents who are entrepreneurs and, you know, I think that those lessons are invaluable and maybe they're not seeing it now as much, but I, you know, when you get older and you get down the road, those lessons are are so amazing, um, that you learn. So I think that's amazing that you're doing that for sure. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's a, it's a lonely journey being an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. And, um, but But I, again, I want to thank you, Sujit, for being on the show and, and taking the time to do this with us. And we're, you know, we're definitely going to have you back on the show in later this year because part of the journey about the entrepreneurs, we want to tell your story not only from today's standpoint and have a moment in time, but we want to actually be a story that each entrepreneur is like a book and we get to flip through the pages as we hear them grow in their journey and in new experiences and how their business goes, because I think that's important because it's not something many people do or people are doing on podcasts or TV. We sort of see a blimp of people and then they're gone out of it out of existence for the audience. But I want to make sure the audience actually sees the growth in and the hardships uh, more than just uh, a, a mere hour blimp of their life on one episode. And they can see the progress from one episode to another as we do multiple episodes around one company and multiple companies. So I hope you'd be willing to come back on the show and do that with us in a few months and see how the e-commerce business is going. Absolutely. No, I would love to. I appreciate that. And so with that, uh, thank you again. And thank you, Deborah, for always being my awesome co-host and putting up with my dream of, of doing this podcast for sure and being my support system. So thank you. You're welcome. And, uh, thank you guys so much. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome. Really appreciate you guys taking the time. and appreciate what you guys are doing. And yeah, We've always loved helping. what you guys have been doing there. And we really, you know, have always believed in your product for sure and the benefits of it and and, you know, we definitely, as we get more into Georgia, want to talk more about it and, and how we can help, um, you know, and just spread the word about Choose for sure, not only on this podcast, but with some of the other people that are on the podcast as well and maybe help that journey if if there's ways that we can in healthcare and stuff. So that's yeah, awesome. Well, I, go ahead. Yeah, that's there's exciting stuff for that that we can cover next time in terms of you know, some of our research collaborations and the results we're getting with yeah. that, um, especially on microbiome science. So we can save that for another episode. It's because you know I think it's exciting. Well, that's great. We'll put that as our talking point for next time. Sounds great. Yeah, I love that. And awesome. I remember when we heard about it before. I loved all the research and the science behind all of it. So I think we'll probably just do another episode around that as well as the growth. So. We'll be in touch and and definitely get you scheduled for another episode, Sujit. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate it again. And as we wrap up here, if anyone has any questions for Sujit or or us, uh, please reach out to Sujit at Love Choose. 
on Instagram. You can direct message him, and they are online at juice.com. That's C-H-U-I-C-E.com, just so everyone knows. And please reach out to them. I'm, they're a growing business. I encourage you guys to order and try the product and explore the world of chewable juice. It, it's great, and um, I know Deborah was just on her phone trying to order some right now. So as we were doing this podcast, so we could get some here and freeze it. But I, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm a fan. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And um, so I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm the host, and thank you all of our listeners and audience for listening in. Please share this podcast with other people. If you believe in what we're doing, tell your friends, tell the people around you, share this because what we're trying to do is get information out there, help the entrepreneurs that are on this show and help entrepreneurs learn from one another so they can grow and have success as well. And of course, Deborah and I are learning every episode about the entrepreneurial world, even though we've had success as entrepreneurs. And so please share it with everyone. I thank all the audience. I thank everyone that's been on the show. And again, please just tell someone and have someone listen in if you like what we're doing here. And uh, Deborah and I are just volunteering our time and doing it because we believe in it. And we believe knowledge is power. And the more knowledge we can get out there to people, the better off we are as entrepreneurs and the faster we can learn and benefit society and the people around us. So I'm Justin Bizarro. This is Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. You can reach me at justin.bizarro at gmail.com. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O at gmail.com. And thank you, everyone, and have a great day.